Welcome to the Westside Barbell Podcast. We're here today with John Quint, and as ever, Louis Simmons is here with us. Uh, today's topic, since we haven't covered it, I don't believe it's since uh, 2015 or 16, is the injury rate in the NFL. And to get things started, I got a few stats. Uh, in 2019, within the first week, NFL teams lost over half a billion dollars for starters not playing that's not including bonuses and everything else with sponsors but since 2020 is off to an even worse start i thought it'd be worthwhile getting uh, john and Luke together and discussing this more to see what actually is going on since technically this is the first year that they should have had their own private training and that's always been a debate whether private training was as good as the pro training and it seems right now is that no training is working out good for him so I'll hand it over to you, Lou, to see what your thoughts are on this. Well, I think one of the problems in the NFL, as many pro sports, the strength coach is actually an ex-ball player. He's not an ex-weightlifter or powerlifter or anything else. So they don't actually know how to get stronger, know what makes people strong. You know, we concentrate here 80 It's the strongest gym in the world. We've, had, we've owned a world record since 1986. Never have we not had a world record. And um, I mean, we have the greatest bench Pound for pound in the world, the greatest squat, pound for pound, the greatest total pound for pound. All right. And, um, but we've never had these type of injuries. And the reason is because only 20% was with a barbell, even though we're, we're absolute power lifters. 80% is small exercise for single joint activity. That way we don't have any muscle imbalances. That's why we don't get hurt. I watch teams have, um, you know, does every year they got the same injury, groin injury. Uh, they're superstars, growing there, you can't play, lose national championship. Next year, what happens? Their top top draft pick in the NFL, growing injury. Same thing. They never, they just don't learn. And it, all these things can be avoided very simply, in my opinion, uh, if they only knew. But a lot of people tell you, well, football's played in here, Lou. I said, it's not played in here because once you get the legs apart, it's like a virgin. It only hurts for a little bit for the first time. But they pulled a groin now, they're not playing. Once they get the legs apart, flexibility is great, but strength is greater because the greatest method of flexibility is, is built with, with uh, barbell exercises. Like a, a few of them, like um, <clears throat> ultra-wide sumo deadlift. It's one of the best things anyone can do. It's safe on the back, builds up the hamstrings, glutes, and hips, and that's what you move. Uh, ultra-wide box squats, very, very low box belt squats um, in a belt squat machine like RATP, or Ukrainian deadlifts where you hold on to a kettlebell, go down between two boxes till your butt almost touches the boxes. Uh, that's going to build the strength, flexibility in the groin and the hip area, and then you'll eliminate a lot of these injuries. John, you like to say something? Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a, a lot of valid points. Uh, I think the injury issue is, is definitely multivariant. It's very complex. I think one of the advantages that is here at Westside Barbell is uh, there's a standard system in place of training that almost operates as a feedback loop, right? So like the training in of itself tells you what's needed. That's right. And, and I and go on. Well, we're just huge on GPP. Uh, in ball sports, basically, the higher up you go, it's more SP. It's all sports related. It's not more GPP anymore. A guy asked me one time, says, how tall is the pyramid, Louis? I said, as tall as his base. You don't have a wide base, you don't have a tall pyramid. These ball players got a small base. That's why they hurt. Not only that, they play one position, so repetitively do the very same things. And that's one of the reasons it's called the law of accommodation in many sports, and that's where they get the injuries. And uh, it's basically like you, you, I want you to talk about the hamstring, the ACL, and I'm going to tell you what a, a book called Power Sports talks about. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But getting back to to what I was saying originally, like, is like you guys have a method of training, right? So, like, if you think about it, if you put yourself into the position of a pro athlete, right? They're not in a good position because at any time that staff could get fired, right? And it's it's quite interesting. Like, uh, if you look at powerlifting or successful powerlifting, you'll see kind of this base West Side method being run. When you look into the NFL. And you're trying to work with these athletes. It's quite hard because you got 32 teams, and 32 teams have 32 different systems, right? Right. And so then it's like those systems are always changing, but the system doesn't it doesn't allow for feedback on what the individual needs to train. Whereas here at Westside, it's a system, and the system tells you what's needed, and then you just train what is actually needed, not what you want to train. That's right. And, and I think that I think that's a huge issue that's going on right now. Is I mean, even if you think about it from uh, a player's perspective, uh, I feel uh, I have sympathy for them because you could be you could have your initial four years at a certain organization, get traded, and have a completely different training program, even though you're doing the same exact position. It, it doesn't to yeah. me to me it's very hard for me to understand that. Whereas you know at Westside, because the goal is very specific, the system mm -hmm. is set up very specific to achieve those results, and then on top of it. If you know somebody misses a lift, you almost know why, because and so the the, the rate of learning is much quicker. Does that make sense? And that's yes. the reason why you see continual progress with lack of injuries, because you're training the needs and you're training the needs in a very timely manner. Yeah, and in the NFL you don't see it because if you look at Lyman, Lyman runs such a time four seven forty, he's going to make a lot of money. That was 50, forty years ago. Today four seven forty makes same not even make big money. They haven't improved. How come these ball players don't improve on their times after all these years? Because you got better services, better shoes. So it should be better training to go with it. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and but what's interesting too is the fact that uh, I think the the big discrepancy is the injury rates are through the roof, and everyone is doing like you can tell that. Uh, there's a hard time and people trying to figure out what training is needed mm -hmm. because everybody's doing something different, right? Like, mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, like if you look at West side, people are running max effort, people are running, they're actually doing these programs. Then when you get into the NFL and you're trying to deconstruct what it is they're doing, every team is doing something different. Mm -hmm. Every in each college is also doing something different, which to me makes it very hard to really understand what it is they are doing. Yeah, well, you know, in track, you talk to track coach, and they have all these injuries. I said, why you got these injuries? He said, well, Louie, are overuse injuries. I said, well, why do you overuse them? Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, uh, they know what it is, but they can't combat it. They know the problem, can't solve it themselves. Uh, you know, a top sprinter puts out 1,000 pounds a step, per step. So if you look at a guy, a Bolt's exception, he's running 41 meters, 41 steps on 100 meters. The average guy runs 43 to 45. So let's say it's average, it's 43,000 pounds on one foot, in 10 seconds or less. Now, you know, if you take one of our powerlifters and work up to a thousand pound squat on two feet, it's going to take a half hour. And the workload is much, much less than what that, you know, we're not, there's no, we're not 43,000 pounds of work. So that's why they kill us. The same thing in the NFL. You know, they talk about all these AC injuries, which I know you're, you're in your medical field, you get into. You do not have to have a hamstring. And if you got AC injury, even if you have strong hamstrings, you can play. I tore my AC years ago. Uh, remember Dr. Knuckles? He said, oh, you'll be okay. I took about three, four weeks, got it back together, never got it fixed. I did live to 715 when I was 57 years old with it. I mean, it's, it's still there. I got the other knee replaced, but not that one. 
Mm-hmm. All I did was keep my hamstrings strong, doing, you know, um, Russian leg curls, glued ham raise, inverse curl, reverse hyper, and so forth. Training what I needed and a lot of band curls for soft tissue. We try to do 100 to 200 every day for soft tissue work where you don't have these soft tissue injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But it, it goes <laughs> back to the training here, right, is meeting the need in a timely manner, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and, but that's because it's an organized method of training. Right. right. And, and I think that I think it, it, it can't be understated that the issue is right now, if you have 32 teams in the NFL and you ask all the strength coaches, they're all going to give you somewhat of a different. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, we when got the real, philosophy. Right. When realistically, at the end of the day, like, I don't think that like training is complex, but I think it's also simple because it's meeting <clears throat> the need. And you know what I mean? Like the athletes telling you what they need. Like the injuries are, are clearly a feedback mechanism. If you use them in that manner, you can't just brush them under the rug like they don't exist. At some point, like you have to start to figure out how to start to train the in the, the how to start to build capacity up so that you have more of a buffer zone so the injuries are mitigated or they don't occur. You know, you're a big, if you're a beginner, uh, you look at exercises and and you know you think you got all the answers. Then you only find out you don't have all the answers. That simple exercise becomes a complicated exercise. Then after studying it for years and years, you find out it's back to simple again. But they never go through those phases. Mm-hmm. You know what's simple in the beginning because you don't know anything, actually will become complicated. But at the end, when you learn it, it becomes simple again. Just like a martial art master. Yeah, exactly. He learns how to throw a certain kick or a punch. After repeatedly doing it thousands and thousands, and that's exactly what, that's why we don't have injuries. Uh, 30 people over 800 in a deadlift, for instance, four over nine, I mean, I don't know, 15 women over five in a deadlift, the lightest ones are 132 with a 535 deadlift. Uh, why don't we have any hamstring injuries or anything, you know? I mean, you know, the only difference between us and them, they're a foot taller than us. That's straight up. I told a guy one time, this is the truth. I said, if one for TV, I'd be more famous than anybody in the NFL. <laughs> I would. Yeah, but think about this too from the perspective like you're talking about, right? So you have all these you have all these all these records, right? But the thing is when the lifter comes into the gym, they know what they're doing. They know what they need to do. And it's also safe, right? They know, right? A lot of these guys, when you really talk to them, because you know, I, I work with I work with a lot of athletes, right? And when you start to try to acquire information on like what is their training like, et cetera, right? They don't really know. Like the weight room isn't a place that they can go into and find order. It's more chaos, right? Like, like when you go in there and, and you ask some someone like, okay, well, like, okay, we're going to try to push. Let's say we want to increase your rate of force development. They would have no idea what weight to pick mm-hmm. for that exercise. Correct. What whereas, percentage? Right. Whereas here they would immediately know, which that in, a, in and of itself mm-hmm. mitigates injury, but it also increases performance. So, do you understand what I'm saying? One hundred percent. You have to know what you're trying to build. If you're trying to build explosive strength, you know you have to do maximal strength. But then you're going to use 40 percent, not seventy-five and eighty-five percent. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You have to know. If you don't, yeah, but you're think, screwed. But think about it. They don't even know what their one rep is because they're never <clears throat> like so. Like when they're training, that's what I. That's what I'm saying. Like when you really ask these guys, hey, what are you doing? Like how are you training? Mm. They, like they leave it up to other people to do it. And I think uh, maybe this is something that is important even for lifters, probably some of the best lifters take it on themselves to be more self-reliant than instead of uh, instead of waiting on a coach to tell them exactly what to do.
Exactly, because they should know what to do. And you know, another thing, I've looked at programs, it's the program that said, well, what do you do next month? Uh, this, well, how about the month that? This. Program never changes. You, you, the human body changes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they stay on the same program. That's why eventually they make no progress. Again, the law of accommodation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing, too, to take into consideration is not only do they accommodate from the training, but they also accommodate <clears throat> from the game. That's right. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Well, it, you know, in sport, it's called the speed barrier. If you grow up playing football or any other basketball, for instance, or tennis, if you, that's all you do, you will, be, you will get to a point you can't run any faster neurologically. It's called the speed barrier. You have to quit running and do ex- exercise like jumping and lifting weights and so forth, and then you increase your running times. Yeah, a different stimulus. That's called the conjugate system. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, people, don't, uh, people, they don't understand the conjugate system is also to, to bring up weaknesses in areas. By bringing up a weakness, you can correct technique. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand that. You know, they they don't know why they can't run because they don't have any glutes. You know, the hamstring it ties into the hip up here does seven times work. It does where it ties into the knee. So now, if you don't know that, you're going to spend all your time doing leg curls, and you're going to go nowhere on a football field but getting a leg curl uh, injury, leg uh, hamstring injury. But if you do reverse hybrids, you glute hams and all that, build up in wide squats, it builds up those muscles, they tie into the groin. You'll never get hurt. Mm-hmm. You um, brought up a very good point about a few minutes back about overuse injuries. Well, technically this year, they never ran because of previous years. But like just like in 2011 with the lockout, was it that the injury rate was up 25%, 44% was on the hamstring and the Achilles. But do you think they're missing out on that factor? They don't understand that, yes, you're not running, but you're losing that force and you could put that force in by doing plyometrics or jumps and that the training itself is going backwards because they're not accounting for the lack of running that they did. They used to overtrain them. Well, one of the simple ways to measure power is to jump. It's a jump test where you jump up and touch or you jump onto a box. And like Tom talks about plyometrics, you have to know the problem with plyometrics is too many coaches do plyometrics have no clue what they're doing. You know, for most people, for, for, uh, even in the NFL, you barely want to go over a 20-inch box because you jump off a 20-inch box, land, and jump onto another box or up for a touch test, um, you're, if you're lo- your uh, automation phase slows down, you're, you're on the ground too long, and you lose your explosive power. It actually leads to building maximum strength. So what are you trying to build? You want to build maximum strength, raise the box up to a meter or 30, you know, 36 inch. If you want to build explosive power, you got to keep down about 20 inches. Uh, not, there's not many people know this. They don't know how many to do, you know. Uh, I, I've always recommend most people, I had an Olympic uh, long jumper in here this year, Silver Mellows. I had him do 120 jumps a, a week, 43 times a week. Everyone else top 40 twice a week. And ki- children or beginners, 24 twice a week. That's what's recommended by Vert Vershonsky. And I've always followed the recommendation by the people that, that invented this stuff. Now, I didn't go out and think I'm going to outsmart them because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Why would I? You know, they've done it for years and years. So why would I just do what they do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's interesting because, like, you did that, but you put a, a loading parameter or constraint on them. Right. So that then you would, uh, yeah, go for it. Starts of it, oh, optimal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Train so, optimally. Right, but, 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 it's, but once again, it goes back to, like, there's a base system that's being run that just doesn't yeah. exist. So, like, that's, it, it's almost like the same thing, you know. Unfortunately, I grew up a Browns fan, so, yeah. so it's like each year – 
they they have a new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, right? And because of that, you see no consistency That's in right. regard. Mm-hmm. Well, you do see consistency. You see consistent poor performance yes. in regards to the Browns play, like over time, right? Well, and it's the same thing in regards to performance. Like if you replace offensive coordinator within a, a performance staff and that staff continuously gets turned over, right? Then it's like, I mean, it, it's literally crazy. Like bringing in new bosses. And all of a sudden, he wants us to do the same job we've been doing, totally different. Now we're in Helder Skelter, and then six months later, he leaves for a better job, and we're stuck. Another boss comes in, wants to change again. Yeah, well, it never matched our job. Yeah, and it's crazy, too, like with the, the stat man- manipulation that can also happen, right? So one of the guys that uh, I work for was telling me that the organization – Right, they brought in a new staff, but when they brought in a new staff, they got rid of all the injured players and then brought younger players in. Well, then obviously that skews the statistics because it looks like they did a great job with injury rates, right? But all the subjects have been changed over. Yeah. Right. So I mean, like the NFL, like there's going to be injuries that happen in the NFL, obviously, but the rate at which they're increasing is is quite alarming. Right. Right. And and, and when you look at like they're okay, useless injuries. Yeah, when you look at the, the, the injuries, you look like, okay, well, can these be mitigated? And you go, yeah, they, they can be mitigated, but they're not. Well, just look at the f- simple fact of changing the dynamic of the pitch. They're complaining that the, the surface is so different this year that's causing more ankle injuries and knee injuries. But then you got to ask yourself, is it because they don't have the ability to adapt? Because technically, you should be able to adapt to an environment. You mean the pitch on the field? Yeah. Well, you know, the selfies always use concave Areas to train their ankles and all this, but you don't see it here. I have, I've, I've been in a lot of camps and never saw a tibia machine. So I've done what we have. You know, we have specialized stuff. I just um, <clears throat> talked to uh, Ashley and Joe uh, Kovacs. Yeah. And Joe's, uh, they took all of our stuff out of Ohio State. Plow swing, inverse curl, reverse hyper, um, and, the, and the ATP, right? And they love the MD19, uh, she said, but they don't have it. But all of a sudden, now he's in desperate need for this. So he now he's Joe's going to start coming down here training so he can get back on these equipment. Why does he need this? Because just like a football um, and, and track and a thrower, they, they get these injuries in high-speed motions. They over, they're so fast, they tear. But you don't tear if you're strong. You just don't tear. Well, and plus, you're getting them strong in all different areas. Right. Not just the groove that they're used to. That's right. And that's what everyone keeps doing. Like, that's a... Um, you brought up optimal and this system that uh, we use is an optimal organization of training but every week it gives you feedback so you can train okay you're weak here you don't have to wait three or six months to change it you but, see it right over. And, but you have the tools to fix it mm-hmm. you just don't go oh that's a weakness and leave it go which a lot of coaches do you're yeah. like okay let's fix this weakness now mm-hmm. yeah. well, but like what you're saying is the training needs to be adaptable. Mm-hmm. And the reason if the training, if the training isn't adaptable, then the athlete performing the training isn't going to be adaptable to, to feed back into your point, which is the reason why, like, you know, there is an issue with players being able to rapidly adapt to the demands initially for the beginning of the season. You know, Tom, you come here about nine years ago, right? And I told you, and when you go down there to watch the guys, don't freak out after they squat because they're going to be going everywhere. And you go, what the hell are they doing? But what would the, after we do the large barbell exercise, we go straight to the exercise that we need. Like it could be reverse hypers. The guy might be doing uh, shrugs, you know. But we go to where the weaknesses are. Everything's like you know, it's like a um, it's called a web and training. But it's also like a big piece of pie. So if you don't have any hamstrings, the biggest piece of my pie is going to be doing work in your hamstrings. 
You know, if you're very strong in some area, it's going to be the last thing I do. It's going to be a small mouth. That's why I bounce everything out. And we don't have any injuries. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've trained track. They didn't have any injuries either. They'll run right out here and pull a hamstring in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And what, the, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of sports that's really bad, like uh, bobsledding, terrible. I've said three people, Olympic bobsled, all three guys, hamstring pulls. Because they don't do anything. They think Olympic lifting. Take that word Olympic off the clean jerk and snatch, and it wouldn't be so freaking popular. Because they're not going to the Olympics. You know what I mean? They're not going to the Olympics, so get those two names off. They're just two exercises. They do not make you explosive. Explosive trains 30 to 40%. Weightlifting is a speed string sport, and these people don't even know it. So for those They don't know they're doing something. They don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. For those athletes that came here and they left in two weeks, they got injured. What was the big difference? Like what happened from what they're doing here to what they went into that got them injured? Okay, I'm not going to say what school or anything, but I had normally just send some girls in here, and they're about 10th half off. After four years at school, about two months later, they're gone. They signed a contract. Well, there is always a hamstring. So I told the coach at this one girl in particular on the inverse curl, she was way off with everyone else. I said, she's got to bring the hams up. I mean, it's not even when she was here, they still had to come way up. But she pulled out of here two weeks later, run a longer distance race, which I don't know why you would do, pulled a hamstring. Now she's out of track. Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. You know, an injury is like a, a bucket. You get a hole in that bucket, it's going to leak forever. Mm -hmm. Anyone, any doctor tells you you'll be better after surgery is out of their freaking mind. They must be smoking dope <laughs> <laughs> because you are not going to be better. I'll give the end of, I mean, these are tough-ass guys. That's one problem with them. They play hurt. I know they'll play because they know if they don't, you know what the NFL stands for, not for long. Mm -hmm. If the NFL, if the system was a better system, uh, the average length of time a ball player plays is less than two years. Mm -hmm. You see these printer all-stars that play 8, 10, 12 years, but a million of them are gone. It'll last two years. But even the ones that stay in, look at the quality of life when they leave. Right. Like, very few of them come out unscathed. Well, I'm, I'm a good example, though. You, if you stand something long enough, you're going to get the hell kicked out of you. But, it's, you know, but I trained wrong for 12 years. Had I been brought up in the system that we use today, you know, the West Side system, which is basically the Soviet system, adapted with my exercises, who knows what I would have done. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's I did it to 475, and I was 14, 140 pounds because I was a, a laborer, a block tender, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what if I'd have brought up in this system? I saw one. Mm -hmm. You know, look at Dave Hoff, you know, greatest lifter in the world, 15 years. That, that's another thing. They talk about a lot of training. Well, Chuck Vogelpool made it 25 years in the top 10. You know, world record, he finally, the records got broke. But, you know, when he retired at 25 years, he still hold, held world records. Mm -hmm. These guys last forever in this society. I last, I stopped in the world for 34 years. If I was an NFL lineman, went to get a bigger room, Tom, they put my money in. <laughs> you couldn't get all the money here if I played 34 years in the NFL. Yeah. You couldn't do it. It wouldn't fit my money. But, unfortunately, I don't. I'm too short. I'm too dumb. <laughs> but, I mean, the key is, it's just you got to have better training. They got all these tremendous. Um, well, <laughs> but I tell you what, you'll never tell them. You're never going to change them. I, I've got a good friend played nine years offensive lineman, and I watched him actually. I'll tell the team because this is a long time ago. He's at the Browns, and he walked up to the offensive line coach because at that time he was assistant strength coach. Now he's a top strength coach, you know. But he walked up and he said, "Hey, you know, you ever think about doing this?" And the guy looked at him and said, "There's only one offensive line coach on this team," and walked off. No advice. I won't take any advice. Guy played nine freaking years. Guy's a monster. 
If he just went up and said, hey, look, I'm going to tell you how to cook a banana, I'd go, well, how do you do it? You know? No, not this guy. He wouldn't even listen about football. Mm -hmm. They're they get stuck in their ways. Or, you know, you can't be arrogant. An arrogant man is, a, is an ignorant man. There's always a better way. And I don't seem like, Tom, you said a while ago, they'll just bring in more people. And, you know, don't you have any responsibility to your job? These are your people. You know, you can't send them off to war without a gun. That's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, during the season, um, I would do, you know, if you could get them to train, it's not easy because ball players do not like to lift weights, most of them. They better look like they were born again. But if they did the machines, you know, the hamstring machines, the hip machines, like K-Box, Got that K-Box, K-Box is sick. Mm -hmm. That thing, uh, it's slow and centric, so it won't make you explosive, but it puts a lot of size on your legs. A lot of the boys, if they got an inch bigger leg, that in turn will make them go. A bigger bodybuilder, even though you don't try to be strong, is stronger than a little bodybuilder, mm -hmm. right? Why? Because you got bigger muscles. Mm -hmm. It's a size principle. We talked about that one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's right. Sure. And you know what happens? They get out of shape. Uh, and like a, 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 my fr a friend... Uh, what one time told me, he said, well, you know, Lou, there's 16 gays in the NFL. Johnny Parker got four Super Bowl rings. I said, no, Johnny, there's only eight. They only play half a game. They play offense, they play defense. And he said, I never thought of that. They play to have a freaking game. And they get, ba they get banged up, not even touching anyone half the time. So, because those ballistic movements, but they can be saved if you're super strong. So, so here's a question for, I guess, both of you guys. Do you think that the reason why the players may not like to lift per se is because they haven't been rewarded from the from what they've done because maybe the training hasn't been what they need right do you, you get what i'm saying because i feel like uh some of the elite level guys they want to train they just don't know what they need to train at do, do you know what i mean so it's almost like i, I feel like I, I feel like that may be a huge part of the issue where guys are like well i don't want to do this because i may mess myself up because they just don't understand that, hey, this is what you need. Because I feel like if you were able to supply them with what they needed and they could understand it, I do think a lot of the guys... Proven, proven program. Yeah, exactly. It's just like you said about the Browns having offensive and defensive coordinators every year. There's no proven program. Thank God it looked halfway decent this year. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, normally there's no proven... You have to have a program. Without playing, you plan to fail. Yeah. I yeah. think a big issue is they're told what to do from such a young age. No. that they don't know how to think for themselves correctly and like i'm not that's not a stab at them it's that they're so headstrong on football 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 learn this play learn that play run this route and they're so genetically gifted mm -hmm. like some of these guys are so gifted that you give them a bosu ball and a skipping rope they will be phenomenal no matter what but i think from a young age the coaches never put any emphasis on how important strength and conditioning is but if you look at the the bigger guys defensive ends offensive guys those guys grew up lifting weights a lot of these guys and they just but from their own experience knew how important that was but a lot of wide receivers and skill players they're just told run this run this right. run this mm -hmm. and when they get to the nfl they don't know what to do because they've been told what to do from such a young age so you're right there's no reward there's no nothing but if you told them if you give them definitives hey you are 100 going to run faster you're going to have a bigger quality of life you're going to like jump higher do everything that you want even better at a young age they'll understand it but i don't think it's there yeah that's what yep. Uh, what did I tell you why I don't work with them? Yeah. Um. <laughs> you might as well just be the chauffeur, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to do that. They ain't that good. Mm -hmm. They're just big. Yeah. But, and, but they'll do miraculous things. Like, you'll you be in the oh. gym, and they'll, they'll jump, and there's no way they can jump in this box. Right. And then cold, jump on a 64-inch box. Right. Mm -hmm. like they'll do apps. Some of them, in two weeks, they get so scared because they get so strong. Mm -hmm. that They're like, whoa, 
well, what's going on? Like, that's not in the realm they, of what they're used to. You know, I don't know. I know a lot of people don't know us that well, but we run a system called the wave periodization. It runs in three week waves. And we, because we're strength athletes, we go 85, uh, 80 first week, 85, 90. We do 25 squats and 25 deadlifts at that. It's very high volume. The weights, the velocity is slightly slower than a lot of sports. Weightlifters would do 75, 80, and 85. All right. Okay. So all my work is designed for one purpose to become strong or speed strength. Like weightlifters have to be fast with heavy objects. We don't have to be fast with heavy objects. All right. But the key is this training came from sports. A lot of people don't know this. So if you got a, if you got a football, you got a, a soccer team and you want them to squat 350 pounds, you set the wave up for 350 pounds, 80, you know, see 75, 80, 85%. They will maintain that 350 pound squat all year long. They won't get hurt. Mm-hmm. There's no need for a squat six and they're sure they better not be able to squat 150 either. But if you set that wave up, all that training is designed to make them better. You're in, you're out. That's why we get so good and we don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. It, it's come from a team, you know, team sports, but here team sports don't want to do it. And they don't know what they're, they don't know anything. I don't know anything about football. I don't crap about football. I watch football. I only want a nickel defense. I don't have to know. Anything. But you know what? By the strength coach, I know strength. You ask me anything you want, I'll answer the question. Mm-hmm. I've taken super strong guys, 2,400, three and a half years later, 2,930. You know what I mean? So that's easy. This stuff is easy. If you look at it, in our sport, the top 25 totals, we have about 22 all time. How could that be out of a private gym with no sign? Because we have a system and we follow is exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's, the, that's the real issue. So, and it, and it only compounds from there because think about it. There's no system, uh, there's no strength and conditioning <clears throat> that is set up, right? So then on the back end, do you think that there's a rehabilitation <clears throat> set up when these guys get injured? <clears throat> No. So, I mean, it just gets deeper and deeper. Like, like I, I be, yeah, that's the reason why I, I feel bad for the, the athletes stuck in the system because uh, it's interesting. Like, uh, I think the last time we discussed, brought up a statistic about 40 times, mm-hmm. right? What was the statistic? They, uh, as soon as they got to college, after four years, I went down and never got any faster. 157 out of 200 went uh, no faster or slower right so 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 it's interesting i don't know the demographics of that study but uh that's obviously not a good study well these are top these are top recruits okay you know out of high school and you know and top five for going in the nfl right right so well you know if you go in the nfl you're the top of the cream you know that's what i'm saying so it's kind of weird because i feel like uh right now in maybe college football um, strength staffs are getting rewarded just because they have access to the best players and the best recruiting, right? And because they only have to maintain that for, let's say, three to four years, right? Those methods of training, which, you know, may not be actually increasing performance or improving performance, get rewarded. And, well, then, and do you know what I mean? And then, and then uh, that system, th- that system continues to, to then grow within college football, which then obviously that trickles up into the, into the NFL and trickles down into high school yeah, football as well. You guys aren't as old as me put together, but years ago, oh, we did a Nebraska program. What the fuck is a Nebraska program? You know, they go win the national championship and they think they know how to lift weights. They're out of their mind. Yeah. How come we're, why can't we go play football? Why not make a football team on my guys down there? You know, 
I, uh, you know, just just for instance, all I did was work on the hamstrings, and uh, and some uh, with a lot of sled pulling, inverse curls, ice kinetic squats, all right, and uh, and, and glute ham raise and reverse hybrid. The kid ran ten ten in a hundred. He's Big Ten indoor champion. He could run sixty, but he slowed down. Ran ten forty seven in a hundred. Hey, high state coach. I say, where it come from? Because I don't give a damn. Because I never got any credit for this. High state coach. This is nineteen eighty six or seven. He said, Georgia didn't run faster. I had him nine weeks here in 1017. Mm-hmm. This year, 2020, they duplicated a 1017 at that school. This year, Kevin Akins in 1987 through 70 foot 10. It is still the school record at Ohio State. You'd think they'd ever come down to that. Well, Ashley did. Yep. Now she's got some really good third. I'm not taking credit because she's a smart girl, very technical, but she didn't know the weights. But she came to us, learned the weights, and she's killing these people now. Got four girls over 56 feet. Mm-hmm. Got a girl that she says can just about dead a 700. Mm-hmm. The, a big problem. And <clears throat> I want to say, I, I mean, I, I don't give a damn. I, I don't have no ego. I could care, I could care less because they're not here. But a guy called me the other day. His girl just won the world championship in hammer throw. First time, like it's been, I don't know if it's ever been done for American. This girl on pin three in our rack pulls 700 and she hand cleans 341. He does, they do all of her program. I'm not, I, I take that much credit, but, you know, he's a good technical coach. But why are these all these different sports like Stipe and years ago Kevin Randall? Why were they USC heavyweight champions? It, you just need a freaking system. It don't matter what damn sport it is. But to, to build upon that system, I'm not kind of playing devil's advocate, I guess, but a strength coach can't be a strength coach because they're attached in football to the head coach. Whatever he says to do, do. They're not independent. So then you run into like, well, do I lose my job? Because some of these guys know what to do. They're just so afraid to try step out of the boundaries because they'll lose their job. How many strength coaches do we know have moved five or six times? Oh, Head coach goes, but I don't understand why a strength conditioning staff are not independent. Like, because your job is to make athletes better. You should be working for the athlete, not for the organization. But they work for the organization, so their job is to recruit. Okay, hey, make sure these guys don't get injured. And if they get injured, make sure there's someone there to back up. That's all. I think, like, once you have that fundamental flaw, how can you fucking develop forward? It needs a union. Exactly. Well, what's interesting, too, is uh, this, I believe it was this year, but uh, someone was explaining to me that one of the top programs, the head strength and conditioning coach, left the program to go to another school where he's the special teams coach, right? Which is which is quite odd to me, right? But I think that shows the state of strength and conditioning right there. Mm-hmm. That the position of strength and conditioning coach, when you, when you understand what strength is, is that's, that, that title is not, that should not be there, right? It's almost like these guys, um, uh, I don't even know how to describe it because when you see the programming that's being done, it, it doesn't answer questions. It just it, it just brings up more questions as to what is going on here. Like, how are you guys investing your time, your energy to do work? And is that work actually making these guys better? Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Wait. Well, you, well, you said it to me. Players got bad programs and they don't believe in them. So why would they do them? Uh, too many guys use bodybuilding magazines. I've talked to them. They use bodybuilding magazines to train their football team. You can't do that. Just because you want a bodybuilder, want a bunch of bodybuilders, you know that. Yeah, and it's interesting too. Um, uh, a university here reached out to me to work with a basketball player. Uh, the strength coach did, 
right? And it, it was pretty interesting. So after we figured it out, we go, okay, yeah, I'll come down there. I'll assess this guy. We'll try to get him on some sort of program, right? And he was a, he was a senior, right? Well, what happened was uh, I get a call back from the strength coach and they go, oh, actually, yeah, you can't come here and work with this athlete because uh, the he's injured and now we don't have him. I mean, it could be just a bullshit excuse, right? But initially it was interesting talking to him before that. I was trying to acquire more information on what the history of the kid was, right? And he said part of the reason why he, uh, the strength staff is having issues right now is because this kid, when he came in as a freshman, had the same exact issue. So for three years, he's put work in. And now you can tell that they're kind of desperate. So they reach out to see if they can bring someone else in to get a different perspective, right? But the thing is, they don't want, they don't want the help. They don't want, uh, they don't want maybe, you have two eyes for a reason to give you different feedback, right? They don't want a second eye. They don't want that. So it, it I feel bad for the athletes. And I think, I, I do think the intent of a lot of coaches is, is to do good. I, I really do. But I think that maybe, like you said, they're going to the wrong resources, right? And they're not. I see, I see, a, not to interrupt, but I see a lot of things in basketball. Uh, you know, you get these big kids like, uh, you know, at uh, Zoan this year, Zone. They, right out of the, you know, he's a freshman, right off he's in the NBA. He don't even get the NBA, he's already tore his knee out. And a guy here years ago, can't think of his name, he's a real big center, freshman, left, and blew out Bo Patelis. Oh, oh. Odom. Yeah. They got, they're taking these kids too soon. They're not prepared to, for this rigorous play that you're putting on the basketball court in the NBA. Now they're going from playing 30 games to 82. That's on count of playoffs. And they, they can't sustain it. And they're just killing these kids. And they don't do anything but play ball. <laughs> well, look how look at coaches. It's ass backwards. Um, well, especially up. In these states, the high school strength coach has no clue what they're doing because they're not a strength coach. They're just filling a position. But really, that's where they get most fucked up is in high school. Then they go to college. They don't get any better. Then they go to the NFL. But if you go down south, look at Texas, look at Alabama. They have powerlifting in their high schools. And these kids are phenomenally strong. Yeah. And they, Texas, yeah. Yeah. They come in with that. What, remember that one kid from Alabama, what, 969, 70, squatting gym trunks? And you're like, but that's the big difference. Like the injury rates is way different. But here, there's no emphasis on you got the highest paid strength coaches in the NFL and collegiates, but high school, nothing. But they come in to that program. Like how many more athletes will you get if you've got a better high school strength and conditioning program? Mm-hmm. And longevity, then. Yep. I keep telling them, I said, if you play one more year, you're going to, you know, it's a lot of money for these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you don't, ha- you know, you know what it's like if you don't have that kind of big money, you wish someone had it. Mm-hmm. I don't begrudge them, but they can make another eight, ten million dollars if you play a lineman if you play another year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to see it from you see the end results of poor strength conditioning. Because from a joint perspective, like what do you see just say from a hip and you know, oh, his ace that's why his ACL is gonna go. Like mm-hmm. how do you tell them, hey, you got a good chance of tearing your ACL? Mm-hmm. Does anyone actually heed your advice or they just go back to normal? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, right? Like uh, I have a, I think I have a unique background from having the opportunity to be here and seeing how a system should be run and understanding that a system needs to be in place. And from that, because my, because I'm a therapist. So, uh, on top of that, <clears throat> I run the same assessment. So like you guys have a training system. I have an assessment system, which is basically called an FRA where I use objective data 
and the objective data is how much passive joint range of motion that they have and then in conjunction with a ratio of how much active they have so for instance the reason why that's important is let's say that you have someone that does yoga right they may have a ton of flexibility but then when you ask them to actively move into that range they have no control they have no ability to generate force mm. right so this is a high risk injury person right the other would be it's totally restricted so there's no space if you just conceptually think of a joint as a space where two bones articulate but don't touch and the more space you have the more rotation that you would have does that make sense so uh for instance unfortunately the college that i went to i was treating uh i, I was treating that quarterback and he came in for a low back issue i assessed his hip joint and i saw that his hip joint was really what was his back was compensating for his hip, right? He had a serious issue with his hip, which would make him a high indicator for an ACL, right? And so <clears throat> I told his father that, and I told his father, I'm like, listen, I know he's complaining of his back, but realistically you wanna do this. Well, unfortunately he did tear his ACL that year, right? Now that's just one instance, but what you can do when you start to get this data on the athlete, it's like getting a lift. Right. When you start to see discrepancies, right, you can start to see like, OK, this person doesn't have a lot of adaptability in this joint, which means that if that joint is pushed to the end range, right, they're not going to be able to adapt. And thus, they'll accommodate and then boom, that's the injury. Mm -hmm. Right. So from my perspective, it's quite interesting having been able to standardize that assessment, run that assessment and then to be able to uh, be able to then have all those. So then the other thing that I do is. Uh, I have a computer program where then I put all the data in so that I can start to monitor that athlete's joint health over time like you would monitor strength, right? Well, then what you can see is the deterioration of all these joint ranges of motion as they continue to play, right? Which is a high indicator that, yeah, they don't have the ability to move because you don't have the ability to move. You can't generate force where you can't move. Now you're not as strong, right? So I can see it from a couple of different perspectives. And I think that's another issue is when you say, okay, well, are they doing anything for strength and conditioning development that's systematic to meet their needs? You go, no. And so you go, okay, well, on the back end, are they doing anything for their joint health, right? Because when you look at joint health, that is the number one indicator for why these guys have to retire or why they have to quit. And you go, do they have a system in place for that? And you go, no. So now you go, okay, like any little thing will help these guys. That's the reason why when they come here, you could like the, the need is immediate. Like it's almost uh, when you run the system, you immediately know like, okay, huh. this is exactly what they need. And you just input that in. And especially the high level guys, they're so genetically gifted that when they understand that and they start to use it, and then you start to program it in a logical manner, they just take off, right? Mm. But yeah, I think I think that's another issue in, in my opinion is the fact that no one's really assessing these athletes, right? So, well, it, it, so like 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 all the stuff that, that 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 you guys are doing here and all the stuff that you read from right, they were always assessing the athletes to get that feedback from the athletes to see like how are these athletes being able to do these strength feats, right? You don't see any of that going on in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, so, exactly. So, like, so there's no model to even reverse engineer. How do you make an elite level wide receiver or lineman? You wouldn't know. You know how to make an elite level lifter because you can replicate it and do it all the time. Does that make sense? But well, that's right. I've had a 
34 people squat a thousand. I'll get 35 before you get number one. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing, you talk about joint mobility. I bring ball players in here. They can barely set, they say, well, we have no flexibility. You can't wide squat. So I put a box in there. I get them on 17. It's on a box, set a box correctly, or a box squatting, you release the muscles. Then you contract them and you come up. So one of the greatest methods is strength training. Relax, overcome by dynamic. So then you take an inch out and they get on that box and another inch and another inch. I walked around here 12, I've taken it out five inches. It takes five minutes. And they're going, oh my God, he's a genius. I'm not a genius. I'm just doing a symptomatic way to gain range of motion. You want range of motion in your chest, the best way to do it is a camera bar. A camera bar, you know, you have three inches off your chest, a little more weight, uh, two and a half, down the weight, two, pretty soon you're touching your chest, you got range of motion. It's pretty damn simple if they just did the exercise. That's why wide sumo, for instance, you know, these exercises will build flexibility out where they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Now, if you ever watch a football game and you watch a kickoff, look at the center. It looks like he's in a power squat. But you don't want you to squat out there. And I go, what the hell's wrong with you people? You know, Dave Tate said, I had a big kid in the gym the other day. He's like 250 pounds. I said, get your feet in close. Now, I'm an old man, decrepit, ready to die. So he gets in close. I hit him in shore. I knocked him over into the plow swing. I said, take your feet out. I hit him like hitting a rock. What the fuck? What part of this don't they understand? You know, I just, I don't get it. I'm never going to get it. But because they're never going to, the problem is, the hardest thing for a human being to do is change. Mm-hmm. I, I see it in sports, basically in tactics. You watch an NBA game. I watched it the other night. AD gets a foul, so he don't party play in the second quarter, right? Now, you keep him out of the game to the fourth quarter. You can lose a game in the second quarter or the third quarter. You don't necessarily have to lose it in the fourth quarter. Had they left him in a game, had he gotten his fourth foul? Who the hell knows? Anyone ever take stats on this? No, because every coach in this freaking world says, our back has done it the same goddamn way. They don't change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched the Browns game. They're killing, they're killing them, right? killing Dallas. What do they do? Going to prevent defense. They don't score 24 points in the quarter. Good thing I don't own that team. Mm-hmm. You can't go soft. I would blitz every damn. You know, I would, whatever got me there, that's what I would do. I would not go soft and let them march down that field and I wasn't even through five or 25 yards. That's pathetic. Why? Because that's all they know. I'll guarantee you, if you took a stat, most of the points in the ballgame scored in the last two minutes and a half, last two minutes of the final game. Because mm-hmm. they go soft. So why do they do it? But they keep doing it. It's not, it cannot be right. No one can say, you can score 24 points in the quarter after held the team down to nothing, and you think you're doing the right thing? I don't know. But when you deal with people like that, how are you going to give them change like this? Mm-hmm. You can't give them change the game, let alone the weight room. People say, well, weights aren't that important. Well, how come these weight rooms in college, half a million dollars? The hell are they doing in there? At the very know? least. Huh? At the very At least. least. Yeah. You hear the commentators, got to get in the weight room, got to get in the weight room. These are older guys. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hear no 19-year-old kid up and say, they got to get in the weight room. You're going to hear the old man say, got to get in the weight room because they know what the weight room's about. Mm-hmm. What, do you know when the first just... Uh, NFL strength coach came here or the first NFL team what year around? Well, Joey Batson come here early 90s, but see, Joey was a powerlifter. Yeah. I asked, I asked Joey how he done it. You know, he's at Clemson. I said, how, how'd you do it? And he said, I handled the weights and I got a guy to handle the cone drills. I mean, that's what I, because I, I don't know about a cone drill. You know, so I said, but he's a smart guy. Obviously, he's pretty damn successful. But out of all the hundreds, <clears throat> has to be hundreds, not thousands, coaches oh. that came here, how many have actually take heed of the advice and implemented it correctly. I, 
I'd have to be there, but I'd say, I mean, a lot of them do, but I'd say they're probably doing it 50%. You know, it's like cooking without 50% of the ingredients. It's not going to be as good as what we're cooking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you got to, I mean, there's a reason not we do what we do. <laughs> you know, like sled, if they would just pull sleds. Oh. They just pull sleds, they eliminate all the stuff. Push wheelbarrows. My friend, uh, you know, um, told me that he worked with the Saints for knee injuries. So he used, because this is how I brought my knee back a lot when I blew my patella in half. He used a, a, um, a sled. Jesse Kellum. I mean, he used a wheelbarrow. He said a wheelbarrow is like a, a crutch, but it's got wheels. So if mm-hmm. you walk and you, you, you can put all the weight on one, you'll be very methodical with the bad leg and then you'll be on one leg and then the other leg and build up and say you eliminate that bilateral deficit. And if you get in trouble, put the wheelbarrow down. And I've always used the wheelbarrow for that kind of stuff. Now, I've never heard anyone else ever to this day do that. Yeah. Another point I want to bring up, everybody, especially track, oh, you hear bilateral deficit, bilateral deficit. Oh, what's going on? You guys are doing bilateral deficit work. Put, a book, put them on the machine, they got bilateral deficit. They're never going to correct it. I think it's human nature. Why do I take off like this, you know, with that leg out front? Why do I do that? Why do you, why do you fight this way or maybe you fight that way? Why? It's, it's nature. And you're always going to have a dominant side. I don't care how much bilateral work you do, you're never going to correct it. The kid I had up here was second in the 200 in the Olympics, put him in my plow swing. He had to be a minimum of 40% off on one leg. And this is, you know, you don't get a lot better, you know. In the second, the freaking Olympics, and he, he had a terrible bilateral deficit. I've seen it always, all the time. And uh, how I've always corrected it, brought it up as close as I could, is ultra-wide. The wider you go, the wider the weight is dispersed into both legs. Mm-hmm. If you're in here, you're going to teeter-totter, but you're out wide, you could need, the, the, the weight is dispersed evenly into both legs. That's the fastest I've ever brought up a bilateral deficit. But no, that's another, but they don't do it. The the one person since I've been here that's come back and forth that's been consistent, and their team's results prove it's a different sport was Dan DePasqua. Dan DePasqua, the head coach, was smart enough to keep his staff, offer them all long term contracts, and then their most amount of injuries are in the off season, but they're little injuries. Mm. They're they're like strategized, like okay, we can afford to have small injuries here, find the weaknesses and go. They're the first team, as far as I know, to have a on retainer a wrestling and jiu-jitsu coach for hand-to-hand combat they thought outside the box but if you look statistically the melbourne storm are one of the most consistent teams always finishing top of the league but look at the players they put out i he i told him to do that i don't know if you know that no. but he's hit me table in time i'm going like christ i got nothing to say to this guy i mean he says this, you know what the hell he's doing you know so yeah. i thought well what can i say i said i get a grappler in there off season and he did mm-hmm. but i mean i watched that tape and dan dan was I'm going like, this is, you know, he can run my team. Mm-hmm. They did everything, hitting heavy bottom, I mean, you name it, they did it all. And you know what he does? He trains. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> yeah, you're talking about Dan if you don't, trains. If you yeah, don't yeah, have goals for yourself, how can you make a goal for somebody right. else? Right. You got to have some skin in the game. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, because if not, then you get what's called the expert problem. <laughs> right. But I think that's a good point, too. Like, uh, it's interesting, like, because Dan has that system set up, right? his whole goal is to fail and to fail fast because the fail is now learning opportunities. So he's able to learn at an incredibly fast rate. When you have no system in place and you start to fail, you have no idea. Like there's no feedback loop to tell you why you're failing. You can go off the rails. Yeah. Which is, which is quite scary. And that's the reason why it's like, uh, 
like that's why once again like working with these guys it's like you're trying to get them constrained onto some sort of system so that like even if it's not the most perfect system at least they can learn from it that's what that's the issue i have is when when the injuries continue to happen but people aren't really learning from them mm -hmm. so then that means that you're just going to continue that vicious cycle of mm -hmm. the same injuries which is what uh you continuously see well if you look at the system you've created a culture too and that's a big thing because people everyone like you have breakfast together everyone talks but a big thing that i thought was interesting when dan came over everyone goes to different places on their vacations to learn and when they all come back they all share their notes well what did you learn what did you learn what and they go okay that might work but they all talk and they share ideas and they're not afraid to be stupid they're like okay this might be a stupid idea but this is what i learned to work for him and that guy calls he looks through all the papers all the world and he saw members a high school coach had a huge uh, results in the shot put he called up that coach he's like hey how did you do it always willing to learn and not afraid to ask questions well you know coach because he was afraid to look stupid that's why i uh in basically or the foremost person with band training he said he was afraid to be look stupid i said i'm not afraid to look stupid yeah. now i found out what these bands are changed the whole world you know combination method training and uh it's just thank god he was thank god he didn't have the confidence to try it because i got confidence to try anything you know <laughs> yeah um the other interesting part about dan is i remember uh me and him went out to dinner and he's the only strength coach that I've talked to where he showed up with a pad of paper mm. like Lou has and had just a list of questions. And I remember having to stop him midway through and be like, hey, man, I'm here to learn from you, too. So, like, <laughs> when do I get to start to ask questions? Yeah. Right. But I, I think he's a he's definitely a special coach for sure. Yeah. I think that's covered a good bit. Any concluding <clears throat> remarks? It, I could care less if you do my program or not, because uh, all I want to do is kick people's ass out of these four walls. But if they don't need to do this simple right side program, they will eliminate ninety percent of their injuries, and they and they would win a lot more ball games because they're starting playing with me on the bench. Mm -hmm. Because it's a very simple program; it's all based on uh, velocity training. If you talk to people about strength training, they don't even realize strength measuring velocity, not not weight. Mm -hmm. It's measuring velocity. So when they get that in their head, they, they don't read. I had coaches here a couple weeks ago, never read a book in their life. Their form sucked. They do West Side, right? I'm going like, what the hell are you calling? You know, <clears throat> this is, well, I can't say. <laughs> but, I mean, it was, it was crazy. But you're just going like in a major, major college. And you're going like, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, you know. So so here's, here's an interesting question because I know that you've probably already thought about this and you too. So, like, if if you were tasked with being inserted into a, a, a collegiate football program, right, and, and you were able to set up your system, like where would where how would you what would be the entry point? So, do you know what I mean? Like 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 what what is it that you would you would like if you had to create your hierarchy? What would be the number one thing that you would want to input from like a from an mm -hmm. exercise perspective? Like, well, what do you I, think is... I would just use the waves for the bench squat, deadlift, cleaner, snap, power snatch. I'd use the waves because it works. And then I would, I, I look at all my athletes and evaluate where they're weak and I make them go do the exercises. Even if I had the vitamin machines, they would go do the... If you don't have reverse hyper in your gym, there's something wrong with you. I mean, there's, just, there's something wrong with you. You don't give a damn about nobody, right? And uh, 
So, but I would, I would emphasize bringing up the weaknesses in all these ball players. Mm-hmm. They got tremendous strengths and some tre- tremendous weaknesses. You can't put three more hundred horse there in the hood of your car and don't think you're going to blow the, the rear end out or break an axle. Mm-hmm. It just can't be done. It all has to come up. Mm-hmm. But if they have a plan and, and it's it's optimal. They they do too much. They don't do enough. You know. I mean, it's just that's the way it goes. And why are they afraid of the deadlift? Why are they afraid to train their neck and lower back? Why are they afraid of that? Because they don't know how. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think to build upon that, I'd get all the coaches, and I'd educate the coaches first because the athletes are simple. Because if they if they listen to you because mm-hmm. they want to get better, yeah. it's the other coaches and their ego mm-hmm. is the fucking problem. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, if you can't get along with them and they can't buy into the system because everyone plays a part, because if you're going to train them optimally and then a coach is going to run them into the dirt. Mm-hmm. Well, then you just all your stuff's going out the window. Right. Yeah. That's why the ball players run slower. They run so much. They overoxidize their bodies and they get, they, they develop into more, more toward endurance athletes and they can't run fast anymore. Yeah. So here's an, here's an interesting question. Um, so, you know, like, uh, like when I'm treating someone, I'm treating, let's say their hip joint, like we're doing isometrics, right. To treat this hip joint. Okay. And inevitably that hip joint is going to be sore. Because we're taking it to its end range, doing isometrics for a certain duration at different efforts, right? And it's interesting. Some of the feedback that I get is they're like, oh, like I always tell people now, hey, this is going to be sore, right? Do you think that maybe the lack of actual training experience that the athletes have? Because I'll get texts mm. even, even when I try to really communicate with the athlete, hey, this is going to be sore. I don't think we should push this, especially if it's in season. Do you think that some of it is like when you're talking about like the low back, for instance, or the neck? The guys just aren't used to being sore from mm-hmm. training. So they almost think that what they did it hurt them, right? right? And so they stay away from it when realistically it should be like, well, mm-hmm. you're, that's called sore. That's delayed onset muscle soreness. There's two ways to get sore. Uh, uh, unfamiliarity of an exercise or overtraining. They get sore from overtraining. Okay. And that's why they get hurt. Okay. I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, why do they come in every year and got to get them ready you know, for spring ball? Why are they out of shape in the first place? People say, what do you do in the off-season? Oh, I know off-season. I'm not going to crawl halfway up a mountain and just go back down and, and next week get halfway back up again and then crawl back down. I want to get to the top of the mountain. So, you know, you got to, Mount Everest got stages, right? Mm-hmm. You don't go to stage five and then go back to four. You go to stage five, stage six, or until you finally get to the top of the mountain. You just got to raise your work capacity. Work. I noticed we had guys come in. I got a new guy come in. Tom, he, two sets, he's done. I mean, it's happened. Uh, remember Big Eric? He brought his buddy in two sets. He's on the he's on the ground for. I mean, both of them they can't. I'm, I'm like, it's not they're throwing up; they're blown up. And I'm going like, this is a, how can I got a girl? It's quite seven thirty, and at one thirty two, it's quite seven forty five and six seventy one twenty three. How can he do it and you can't do it? It's all based off your strength. Not no, I'm not putting you through something you can't do. You know. Like, you know, right now, if we brought a kid in here, wouldn't have, you wouldn't ask to take a, if we brought a 12-year-old, you'd have him do a six-year-old reader, not a, a PhD. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how our training's set up for six-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 20-year-olds, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and hopefully as you get better in the Soviet Union, you know, you train from 13 to 15, they evaluate you. 15 to 17, they evaluate you. 17 to 19, they evaluate you. 19, 21, you're polished or you're gone. Mm-hmm. And I always bring this up. I know I've said it before, but the last one of these two Chinese girls, divers. And uh, I think he got first and second in one of the dives. There's another Chinese girl, and she dove for uh, uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he wasn't polished. Mm-hmm. 
you got to progress as you go. You just can't get to something like you can't get to a freshman level of college and think you're going to be in the NFL for five years. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that that's why they want you. Know, you remember uh, the kid here in town? They tried to get in the NFL and he wouldn't let him. I mean, he was a, he was a bull. I can't think of his name. He won the national championship in 2004. Oh, they got documentaries about him. What the hell's his name? But yep. they wouldn't let him in. <laughs> yeah. The guy's a bull. Said you can't, you know, you can't come in his age. You don't play NFL football. Smart. To build upon what Lou and to answer, and you know this one was, uh, and Lou always told me about. It, but a, a big thing I've learned here, I'm like, Lou's this can't be true. He's lying. Like this can't. And then sadly, it turns out to be true. <laughs> As time goes on, it turns out to be more and more true. But we worked with a high level athlete. And we evaluated him, we worked with him, went through all the machines, we knew how weak he was, and we started to build him up, and we knew his work capacity was low. We pushed his work capacity up to see where it was, killed him in the training session. Now, not we did, but he tried to kill, like, push himself. And I told you, John, I'm like, oh. He texts me, he's like, oh, I'm sore. I'm like, well, you're sore because you're out of shape. But I said, the first person to get blamed is going to be the strength coach, and watch this. Um... Seven days later, had an event, didn't do too good, was sick, was everything. Who got blamed? Strength and conditioning. Was doing too much. When in fact they hadn't do then I learned too, they've been so like cotton wooled that they don't like to look bad in the gym. Some mm. of these guys do not like to look bad. And to where the weight will kick your ass regardless. The weight doesn't lie. And they were getting kicked in the butt with that. And to where slowly but surely, strength and conditioning got phased out. And as that one phased out, what happened? The body went backwards. He started getting injured and performance went down. And that happens a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Well, they always blame. You yeah. go blame the street coach. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's... Um, I, I think it, it's interesting mm-hmm. what you were saying, though, too, is the evaluation process that the Soviets had. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and it's the same thing, man. Like, what? The rule of three. I wrote a book on it. They find out right away, like me and you and Tom... You know, by, by 10 years old, they're kind of d- directing us into some type of sport. Not just because my dad played football. I got a football coming along. Mm-hmm. You see that all the time. Although it is, you notice like, um, you know, um, Kobe Bryant, there's, uh, there's three Bryants in there. If you look at the Boses, there, there is exceptions. But everybody can't be like that. Mm-hmm. I don't see Mike Tyson's kid boxing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't see these marathon runners, their kids running marathons. They just don't see it. But what's interesting to me is it's like the Soviets kind of deconstructed what each sport needed. That's right. Do you understand what? I'm, well, do you know who they took to the first Olympics? Do say, say that again. Did, uh, who did the Who did the Soviets take to the first Olympics? I'm not sure. They took coaches, cameramen, and scientists. No okay. athletes. I go to meet and I look at somebody just below my guy, and I go, I watch what he does. I go, oh, I pick this up. I went to uh, Hawaii years ago, you know, it was the mid-80s, and Ernie France and Eddie Cohn, he used his rock deadlift. So I said, I'm going back and do that. I went back. I couldn't I couldn't do it to save myself. But I had a Chuck Vogelpool and Mark Marinelli, if Mark would remember, I had him do it. They broke their record 20, in 20 pounds there, right then. So me being the coach, at least I brought back something to work for my guys. Why? Because they had, different, they had longer arms than I did, is what it amounted to. But I knew. I don't know why they can do it, and I can't. I know why. Their arms are four inches longer than my proportion to my body. Mm-hmm. So, but I I picked that up. And you, and I, you talked about this a minute ago. 
I was going to say something because we go to meetings. I told Doug Elam, go find out what he's doing. Find out what he's doing. Joe, go find out. And, you know, I'm going to steal from the rich and, you know, take, you know, take it back and kick your ass. Yeah, well, you're not reinventing the wheel. That's you're right. You're modifying it. You're adding on <laughs> to it, right? And it changes the wheel over time. Yeah. I mean, I've seen these super strong guys. I asked, uh, it was really strange because he didn't know he was doing it there, did I? But I asked Vince, now because king of the deadlifters, you know. I said, Vince, what do you do? What makes your deadlift go up? And he goes, anything will make my deadlift go up. I'm going, what kind of an asshole question or answer is that? But it's, I did everything but deadlift. My deadlift was going up. He's just an exceptional deadlifter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I still find it... It's a consequence system. We didn't know it. Right, right. But through through the feedback loops, you figured it out. Exactly. And see, that's where... That's where I just don't... Like, I want to be optimistic for the guys in the NFL, the players. But, you know, in working with these guys and then you see what they're doing and you're just like, man, it's just... It's just all random work that isn't indicated that's even needing to be done... And then they have these massive blind spots because and and where you always get, you know, you use the Browns as another example, right? So they had no franchise quarterback for years, but they paid Joe Thomas everything. Right. Why? Because the majority of quarterbacks, well, only one quarterback, left-handed quarterback, <laughs> has won a Super Bowl. So the left tackle is the blind spot. And the Browns were at least intelligent enough to know that, listen, if we ever get a quarterback – we, we want their blind spot covered, right? But from a physical capacity perspective, a strength capacity, all I see when I go into town and I assess these guys, I get their data, is just blind spots, just layers of blind spots. And it and it gives me anxiety. I'm not even the athlete, right? Oh. Because there's no systems in place to help these guys actually figure out what it is indicated that they need to do. And I think a lot of people get confused maybe when they look at that, that west side because they go well how is it how is it that you already immediately know and it's well like the system like you're literally learning on the day of what you need and then you immediately insert it in right and that level that the the timely manner in which you can adapt your training to your needs is really what makes west side significantly more successful that's why it's so progress is so fast Right, exactly, because it's always hitting the needs right. where they're indicated. We don't have to wait six months to figure out what the hell this guy needs. Right, I that, know right away, you know. Yeah, because think about it. If they ran, because I've considered this, like if they ran a study and they said, like, because there's no studies on the NFL or collegiate football and what they do for training from a training perspective, right? So that's why it's kind of like the Wild West where everyone's just out there doing. So you can't, like, from an outsider looking in, I can't even look in there and say, well, this is what they're doing because – Everyone's doing something different, which is weird because, like, if you were to compare that to powerlifting, right? Oh, like yeah. If you compare an offensive lineman and a powerlifter, they have the same, like, an offensive lineman, when they're in high school, their job doesn't change, right? So the determinants that they need to do the job doesn't change. And it's the same thing in powerlifting. So you would, so when I look at it, I would go, okay, well, there's got to be some sort of systematic way of training. Only there's not. <laughs> exactly. Do you understand what I'm saying, right? Oh, yeah. And I think that's the reason why people get so confused and they go, well, I don't understand why this system immediately outputs what it is that you need. And the reason why is because it's a system and it's been in place. And then that's how it continues to evolve over time. Well, a big thing here is from you and it's accountability. You hold yourself to an ultra high standard. 
but then you hold everyone else to a higher standard than they can even think of themselves at the start. But every athlete here is accountable, and that comes from the head down. But if you look at the NFL, the strength coach is not accountable. Like he's to a certain, but for the athletes, he doesn't care. He's afraid of losing his job, so he can't train him. But here, and it's from the top down, you you your job as a coach is to make them smarter and better than you, mm. right? That's the first fundamental of that. But we actually give a shit to where if you do bad or good, because if you do bad, we're like, well, did we do bad? Is there something we? Mm-hmm. It's all accountability, and it's that feedback mechanism. Okay, how can we make this better? That's missing there. There's no accountability. You're never going to have that study because they're going to get found out. You do an NFL study on training systems. What systems? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was talking to a former NFL player about this because I was trying to acquire more information on what exa- how exactly these guys spend their time, right? And it's funny. He told me you won't find that study in college because you wouldn't see improvement. <laughs> and it was interesting hearing someone's perspective that had been through high-level college mm-hmm. football, had played in the league for a sustained period of time, Right, mm-hmm. you're like, hey, you know, and I'm I'm asking for help. Like, how do I get this information? And he goes, Oh yeah, like you're not going to find that because what you would see if they studied it, they wouldn't like the results of the study. Well, <laughs> I had a guy, you know, he trained here the last as a senior in high school, and uh, six five, three hundred fifteen pounds. So then he goes to a big school, and he would go down. And he would make up every excuse in the world that he didn't want to train with the team. He'd come back and he'd be weaker. I go, What the hell happened? You're not going to believe. You. Tell me his whole story. Well, then he ended up going to the NFL, and he, he played for five years. You know, he retired. But he told me he went in one day. I want to see what another team won't say. But this guy, you know, he, he box squad 650 pounds, 6'7", 310. Bench 500, deadlifted, done 600 off a box. But he goes in, and he's, he's working up in a squat, and he said he's got about, like, five, 575 or whatever it be. And the coach goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm squatting. He goes, not with that, you're not. The guy box squad 650 pounds, parallel box squad. And I, you know, and another one that played, another one nine years played, end up at the Patriots, very good ball player. He, I wrote an article, nineteen ninety four, how to bench five hundred easy. You know, he, people remind me of these things. <laughs> but he goes because of that article, he said he played for nine years. He could bench between five and five seventy, and deadlift seven to seven seventy. And he said that's why he played for offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I, I had another one come here. This 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 puzzled me years ago. That's why I would never work in, you know, I, I like absolutes. Do I like slow cars? Or I like fast cars, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I had a guy come here, fifth year in the NFL, lineman from the, out from the Raiders. He comes here, and uh, I worked him over the weekend. He'd got his own trainer. My pit bull's hanging off his jaw while I was here. And, but on that, on that weekend, he was here three days. On the third day on Sunday before we took him to the airport, he got the longest standing standing long jump of his career how did he do that in three days here when he's in the NFL for five freaking years somebody's not doing their job you know mm-hmm. that's all about, and he wrote a thesis about band trading because of it oh really yes oh that, that'd be interesting yeah okay. but every year but, but sorry to interrupt but but see that's what i'm saying oh yeah right like that athlete knew, like, these guys, they get a hold of something and it works and right. they do it. That's oh, the they can, why, they'll blow up. That's why I'm saying, like, I just don't buy the – I don't buy it. Like, you look at these guys and, and these guys are they're, – they're type A personalities. They want to be the best. That's right. And they're looking for every advantage. They just uh, – I don't want to say they've been disappointed. They just haven't found the system that they need yet, right? And so instead of doing anything, they go, well, I'm just not going to do anything and I hope – 
that I don't get any worse. Yeah. We all know that that isn't the case. Yeah. Right? And then we get them, and they said, I wish I found this sooner. Everybody, a lot of my they retired. Yeah. yeah. I just go, what? I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know? My, my, I feel like my job, like it or not, that they don't have to. That's why I write books. I got a lot of knowledge. I've worked with a lot of people. So, I, I mean, it's right there. Like, uh, you know, I talk about throwers. They got to throw different directions. Just can't throw one direction. And actually, at Ohio State, was saying, what a big difference. That helped her, getting people to both directions. You just can't do something one way all the time. What do you mean, throw with both You know, sides? if you spin, if he throws shot this way, I'll make him throw that way, too. Okay. So the body evens out. They get more coordinated. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a real coordinated one motion, but not anything else. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's typical overseas. So, All right. All right. Louis, John, thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Yep, thanks, man.